Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, US Gamers Official RPG Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Kat. Happy Pokemon Day. Yeah, happy Pokemon Day. I wrapped up my Jedi Fallen Order review just last night and I was playing a bit of Pokemon. I picked my monster and it was very exciting. I'm ready to get back on the road again. Road road to Pokemon is the righteous road. Review season, I think, is pretty much done now. Like basically all of the big games are out at this point so it's kind of yeah. the downhill ride uh to uh black friday at this point i think yeah now it's all about like the gates left are basically like black friday the game awards and of course all the lists for like you know end of the year best of year stuff i've been up till like 2 a.m every night playing video games uh, i really shouldn't be doing that <laughs> <laughs> no, but sometimes it's kind of necessary too, and especially during the review season. Not when you're playing FIFA too. <laughs> oh well, that's a little different. I don't think you have to review FIFA, Cat. No, I, I think I'm done reviewing FIFA. I don't even like that game, yet I keep <laughs> playing it. <laughs> you keep hate playing it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's when when you're addicted, you're addicted, I guess. That's but. fair. At least you admit it. But yeah, some things that we are going to cover in this episode. We are going to be reviewing Pokemon Sword and Shield. This is the Pokemon Sword and Shield review, and we're going to have a special guest. GameSpot's Kelly Plaguey is returning. She is our Pokemon master. She. I've always been into, like, Pokemon, but there's some people who are, like, really just kind of, they can tell you everything about it. <laughs> it's quite true. But, I mean, I think people come at it from uh, many different perspectives. And they do, and that's what makes it fun. I think your perspective is valid, and I think her perspective is valid, and that's why I wanted to make sure that we had all of the perspectives. So That sounds good. Democracy. Uh, but in the meantime, Axe the Blood God, US Gamer Podcast, um, please, if you enjoy the podcast, leave us a positive review on Spotify or iTunes or Stitcher. I don't even know if you can leave comment reviews on Spotify. Maybe you can, maybe you can't, but... Yeah, leave a review somewhere and say something nice. It really brightens our day. Also, subscribe to us on all of the social media channels. I am the, the underscore catpot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. US Gamer is US Gamer Net for verified now. Oh, we're on Yay, the big time. We got the blue check mark. And also, we have a newsletter that goes out every single Wednesday. Nadia, what did you talk about in the newsletter this week? Well, since it's everything Pokemon this week, I talked about Pokemon and what people look for in a Pokemon game. Because as you were just saying, everyone kind of looks for different things and has their own perspectives on what makes a Pokemon game good. Like, to me, Pokemon has always been about, like, just the fun of of catching monsters and going through these, like, simple but fun stories and exploring new worlds. Whereas some people are really into the, the battling and the collection aspect. So I, I just went over that a little bit. If you want to get the newsletter in your inbox, go to the website, usgamer.net, and sign up. And it will be showing up, and it will include Nadia's thoughts on the week, and also a roundup of the latest RPG news. Okay, speaking of RPG news, there are a couple of items. Item number one. We just learned, or Jason Trier over at Kotaku is reporting that Anthem is getting a quote-unquote Realm Reborn from Bioware. Nadia, do you think that Bioware can save Anthem? Well, I don't know. Can it make a big-ass dragon hatch out of a meteor? If the answer is, is yes, then sure. 
Is that what Final Fantasy XIV is? Final Fantasy XIV's Realm Reborn, uh, frankly, is one of my favorite uh, videos, like animated cutscenes in a video game. Like, if you haven't seen it, you really should, because that's literally what happened. Like, there was some story element involving, like, some army summoning Meteor, and they see, you see Meteor kind of draw closer and closer to the realm, and then it just opens up, and there's, like, a version of Bahamut in there who just gets really, really pissed off and literally burns everything to the ground. And that's pretty much the best video game apocalypse ever made. <laughs> okay. Well, I hope that it can save Anthem because I want Bioware to succeed and do well. Exactly. Uh, but also, I don't really care because I don't actually <laughs> really care that much about Anthem. If it's a great game, awesome. If it's not a great game, okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, I suppose if they saved Final Fantasy XIV, they can feasibly save... Uh, anthem as well it, it, of course a lot has to do with what if this is true what ea will <coughs> let them do and what they won't let them do i mean yoshi p pretty much had to literally start over with final fantasy 14 and square enix said sure go for it do what you need to do we just need to salvage this well it sounds like a large team is really cranking along on anthem uh the only question is has bioware been impacted too much by brain drain i, right. I would say that's the main thing yeah um, it lost a lot of, uh, quite a few people. Um, and then, you know, of course, supposedly they're also making Dragon Age 4 and a new Mass Effect, so they, their A and B teams may be on those. That's true, yeah. And I'm glad to hear that, you know, hopefully these uh, these properties will keep on, ha- will have another chance, but uh, I don't want, like, three half-assed games versus, like, you know, one really good game. I would say Edmonton, the problem is it's really, really cold up there. That's the other problem. <laughs> yes. Like, Calgary But you got a has, giant mall. Uh, they do have a giant mall. I will give them that. Uh, Canada really knows how to make indoor stuff. Like, the other day I was wandering around downtown Toronto. It was freezing, and I'm like, wait a minute. Most of downtown Toronto is underground and connected. So that was really handy when I remembered that. But uh, Calgary at least has the Chinook winds, which, like, can really, really warm up the winter for at least the small spots. But uh, Edmonton, you're going to freeze your ass off. Uh, But in the meantime, I'm hoping for the best, expecting not a huge amount, if I'm being honest. I'm more excited about the news that a new Mass Effect is apparently under development. Not surprising, seeing as Mass Effect is, you know, popular and stuff. But I hope that it's a lot better than Mass Effect Andromeda, which was kind of a false start. Yeah, um, I was watching a, I think, uh, a video about, like, what happened with uh, uh, Mass Effect and Drama. It's literally from a series called What Happened on YouTube. It's great. And uh, just from the sounds of it, first of all, you had, like, all these tasks outsourced to different studios. And they were all in, like, crazy-ass time zones around the world. And so the coordination was terrible. Uh, and, and just, you gotta, you can't just sell everything off the, to the lowest bidder. You gotta... You gotta have some pride in your properties, EA. A shout out to uh, Anthony Agnello, friend of the podcast, for his extremely bad opinions on Mass Effect. By the way, <laughs> not quite as bad as opinions on Breath of the Wild, but yeah, they were up there. I uh, I always appreciate a good hot take artist to fire up the fire up the blood, angry up the blood, <laughs> angry yeah. up the blood. Make sure Twitter's awake. I know. I, I've become quite the hot take artist on twitter myself lately i don't know why <laughs> yeah you're, you're pretty good at riling people up sometimes oh i just have opinions you know and i support my opinions unlike other That's people <laughs> are you is that a call out for me 
<laughs> I don't know. Like people like react. Uh, whenever I put out an opinion, I always have something to back it up, and right. I lay out my case, and I'm like, and this is why I think this is the case. And my re- re- my uh, experience has often been that people react emotionally uh, and be like, "But I like it." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, okay, you like it, but yeah, but like, let's like break this down critically. Like, is it actually that good, or?" Is it actually better than you think? Let's talk about this. <laughs> Were you on the debate team as a kid? No, I wasn't, but I should have been. You should have been, yeah. You, you sound like my husband. who should have been a lawyer. We've been having a knockdown, drag-out brawl over whether Dragon Quest Builders 2 should be on our top 100 uh, games of the decade list. Yeah, I'm not backing down on that one. I'm on the losing end of this one, but because I think... Nadia has managed to successfully recruit Mike and somebody else. I forget who else. It was Eric. I didn't recruit them. They, they just like the game. They're like me. No, you recruited them into your cadre. <laughs> they played it. They have played the game and finished it, to my knowledge. What you don't realize is that you're dealing with a Minnesotan, the most passive-aggressive MFers you will ever meet. And I am going to keep making passive-aggressive cracks at you all the way until this damn list is published. And I'm going to stand my ground. <laughs> All right. Well, now that I've made Dragon Quest Builders 2 fans, Nebraska residents and Texas residents and Edmonton residents angry, let's continue on to talking about the big RPG release of, well, last week. It came out on Friday, last I checked, and that is Romancing Saga 3, which is Nadia's playing now that she's more or less done with Pokemon. Nadia, you uh, have been calling this a Kawazu-ass game. Why is it a Kawazu-ass game? <laughs> no, I haven't been calling it a Kawazu-ass game. The thing is, I'm like, okay, I need a break from Pokemon. I'm going to play Romancing Saga 3. And this is the first time Romancing Saga 3 has been officially localized for the West. There have been other Saga games, but 3 on the Super Famicom was particularly beloved. And I have not played a Saga game since literally uh, Final Fantasy Legend on the Game Boy. But since I loved Octopath Traveler, I said, okay, let's, let's get back to the source. Let's see what this is all about. And immediately from, from the start, I had no idea what I was doing. And this is not a game with in-game tutorials. And I'm like, okay, well, let's see if there's a, a digital manual included with the game. Nope, nothing there. So I went on Twitter and I said, help. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't tell what I'm doing. I, there's nothing telling me what to do. What am I doing wrong? And everyone, I swear, I've never been ratioed on a, a on a comment before. But for a while, I was ratioed on this, and everyone's laughing at me, saying that's that's Kawazu, that's working as intended, as Parrish put it. So um, yeah, it's uh, just a game where you fight and you explore and you grow and hopefully grow enough to take down the bosses, which are pretty hard. Like I, I went up against the first boss, and I I, I had a hard time with it. So. Um, it's, it's really pretty, and it's just really, really dense and clear as mud. So this isn't just a, a nice sort of, you know, like, light-hearted, hey, let's have fun with Pokemon game. This is a, this is a game that will eat your children. Uh, if you're okay with having your children eaten, by all means, go for it. Or if you just really like that sort of hardcore challenge that comes with those real old-fashioned RPGs, uh, you'll probably have a great time with this. I really like the look of the overworld. It is quite colorful and gorgeous, and it reminds me of Final Fantasy VI. Yes, the graphics are very nice. Um, I can definitely maybe not the battle themes, uh, the graphics. I don't like how tiny the actual characters are and how static the actual enemy sprites are. Actually, yeah. But 
I mean, but the overworld looks fine. <laughs> the overworld looks good. Um, I have noticed the bosses are animated, which is a nice touch. But uh, you're right about the um, the battle scenes and also the the uh, kind of revisions they've done for the new game. It does these weird things. Like you have like this weird filter over the battle scenes that kind of makes it green and white. And I don't understand why that's there, but it's it's not not great looking. So uh, I definitely prefer the way Octopath Traveler looks. Uh, as for it being ex- clear as mud, as it were, uh, th- I've always thought that was kind of interesting because, I mean, let us cast our minds back to the early 90s, Nadia, where, I mean, if we were lucky, we had a strategy guide. Um, internet resources were extremely limited. YouTube was non-existent. Game facts didn't really come around until, like, what, 2000, nine, maybe 99, 2000? I, it was probably there a little bit earlier because yeah. I, I know people were working on doing fan patches for uh, Final Fantasy V in, I think, the late 90s. But it, I mean, we have so many resources now and that I, I just kind of take it as a given that at a certain point I'm going to be grabbing my phone and looking up internet resources and, like, best tips um, on how to maximize my enjoyment of the game, preferably from usgamer.net. Check out all of our guides. <laughs> I've actually tried to do that. I looked up game FAQs, and none of the ga- guides were making sense. Oh, but game FAQs aren't great. you got to go to YouTube, Nadia. Well, what I've, what actually someone linked me to, and this is perfect, is I forgot about RPG Shrines, which is an RPG oh. site from the 90s, early 2000s, and it really has those sort of illustrated walkthroughs you don't see anymore. And, yeah, it does have one for uh, Saga, Aromancing Saga 3. So I'm definitely going to check that out. And I'm happy that is there because now I am truly having the 90s experience here. RPG Shrine is an excellent site. Yes, I think I've used it for some other games as well. I think I used it for Earthbound. Yes, you would have used it for, like, probably, like, the early 90s uh, sprite-based stuff. Maybe Final Fantasy VII as well? I think it, there's a Final Fantasy VII. I know that if you, I used it for uh, Suikin Tetsetsu 3 slash Trials of Mana when it came out here, finally. Hmm. So, yeah, no. Um, I mean, walk-up-throughs uh, can always be helpful. I mean, Reddit is often extremely helpful if you go to That's the true. actual game subreddit. If the game has, like, really dense systems, people usually break it down in a way that's like, makes a relative amount of sense. <laughs> so... Yeah, like the resources that are available now are incredible. Whereas in the early 90s, I just, I remember playing games and just being like, I have no idea what I am doing. And then just putting it away and stopping. I remember printing out uh, walkthroughs because uh, mm-hmm. you couldn't really get them online that easily. You, you could go online with them, but it's not like you could keep your, your computer connected because your mom had to use the phone. You would have these instruction manuals, but they wouldn't actually tell you anything. They would just have some nice art. And a little bit of a story and the controls, and that would be about it. They did have nice art, very nice art. Yeah, I, I do actually kind of miss that, uh, the feelies. But yeah, I, I think the main appeal of Romancing Saga 3 is the fact that it is a, a fairly dense and uh, technical game when it comes to the combat and being able to earn new abilities and everything. And from what I'm able to gather, it sounds pretty cool, Uh, Depending on which character you choose, the experience can change quite a bit, including the addition of wholly different uh, mechanics. And I'm always a big fan of a game where if you choose one character, effectively, you get a very different game from another character. And if you can actually pull that off and stick the landing, that's I like that. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely, I'm told, is part of the experience here is 
if you're a beginner, oh, pick this character uh, because they'll be easier to use. So yeah, um, this is definitely a heavy systems-based game. The only problem I have with that is so much of it is random. Like a lot of the skills you learn are literally random. I'm like, how do you, how does my character get inspired and learn this this technique that they just learned? There's no rhyme or reason. It just happens. Anyway, would you uh, recommend Romancing Saga 3? Uh, I would not recommend it going, like, if you're looking for something that will hold your hand, because this will not hold your hand. But if you are really aching for that hard, old-school RPG experience and you want a little bit of, like, you know, punishment and guessing, then, yes, by all means, you will probably love it very much. (laughs) All right. So Romancing Saga 3 is now available. So, uh, yeah, I think the Blood God... Well, the Blood God and Kawazu are best buddies, so... (laughs) Absolutely. I'm actually... We'll hopefully have an interview uh, coming up with him, because I submitted that a while back. Neat. I'm looking forward to reading it. Go. You can check that out on usgamer.net. Okay, everybody. That is enough for RPG News and Romancing Saga 3. It is time for our big Pokemon Sword and Shield review. Don't go away. All right, I am joined by GameSpot editor reviews, Kelly Flaggy. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I have been waiting for this moment because I, you are the other Pokemon master in the industry. And like, I am so excited to have your insight into Pokemon Sword and Shield. You reviewed it over on GameSpot. You gave it a 9 out of 10. So you seem to really dig it. Uh, I absolutely did. I was, uh, you know, obviously there was a lot of um, expectations around it uh, on the internet. If you if you've seen that, oh, yeah. um, but I I really I really dug it. I really loved it. Um, way more than Sun and Moon, which I I liked for what they were at the time. Um, but I looking back on Sun and Moon, I'm like, oh, this is this is what making a new generation is is all about. Actually, what's with the haterade for Sun and Moon? I like Sun and Moon, but I. I can see, like, uh, I think Sun and Moon, like, the the tutorial sequence is super long. I understand why people don't get into it. Um, whereas with Sword and Shield, like, they get you in the wild area, like, right away. You're there in an hour. And, like, that's the, you know, the show-stopping feature. You get in, you get to see what, you know, Pokemon on Switch really is. Obviously, we had Let's Go, but that's a, a different animal, I think. Um, and they don't really waste time. Like, you get the Corviknight taxi right away, basically. Um, you're kind of like left to your own devices in the wild area really soon. And I, I think that was really smart. All right. Well, let's first thing first, I think that we need to do the important thing. And we've all finished the game. Well, I mean, we haven't finished the game. You two have finished the game. I've just started. Yes. But we all have picked our starters. So the first question to ask is, which starter did you pick, Nadia? I chose Scorbunny, like I said I was going to, like I said from day one, and I named him Fiverr. And then I had to change his name when I saw his evolutions. Of course, you would go with the Watership Down reference. That's part of the reason I'm so excited about, like, Gala region. It's like, oh my god. Like, I'm the nerd who wants to actually visit the real Watership Down. So I step out of my house in, in, in um, Sword and Shield. I'm like, oh my god, Rolling Hills. Oh my god. Like, this is the stuff I live for. But then I named him. I had to change uh, 
Score Bunny's name to King Cosma when he evolved. And uh, so people are telling me I'm bang on with that. So I, I think I am too. That's extremely good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I too chose Score Bunny because as I... I heard that uh, I was going to pick Sobble, but I heard Sobble's evolution, final evolution is bad. And no. I am the kind of person who puts a lot more stock in the final evolution than the, the actual starter. Because <laughs> uh, uh, of the three, I like Sobble's initial look the most. But uh, if the final evolution isn't good, then I'm not going to get it. Like I was always super let down by – I was initially super let down by Incineroar. And now I like Incineroar because of Smash Brothers, but because he's such a goof. But at the time, I was like, "Really? Like he's this giant, thick the wrestler, wrestler man? Barracat? Great! He's a whole like, <laughs> you know, Daniel Bryan sort of thing going on. I love him." When I name my score bunny uh, Messi, as in Lionel Messi from soccer, because of course, and I'll probably just—that's good. I'll probably just give them all soccer nicknames at this point because I'm in England and this game really seems to like soccer. But oh yeah, Callie, did you also pick score bunny or did you break the mold? I broke the mold, so I actually um, I picked Grookey at first, and then I restarted an hour into the game to pick Sobble. Oh. <laughs> so what happened was. From the very beginning, I wanted to pick Sobble. And then I had a last-minute change of heart because I like Grookey's initial look the most. And then I was like, you know, I can't do this without looking at the final evolutions because I, too, care more about what the final evolution looks like than the first, um, the base Pokemon. So I looked at the leaks. I was like, oh, hell no, with Rillaboom. And I, I pivoted to Sobble. Um I actually don't hate Inteleon too much. That's the the final evolution because it has a really cool, like each of them has a signature move and um, Inteleon's is snipe shot and it can bypass any like follow me um, kind of stuff that disrupts which Pokemon you're targeting in a doubles match, which I think is cool. Not that I'm going to use Inteleon in a doubles match, but <laughs> I, um, I, I yeah. kind of appreciate what Inteleon is, and I don't want to spoil it too much for Cat, but of course he has the whole secret agent thing going on, which is very much a yes. reference to James Bond. And I like the fact he goes from this little scared thing to he kind is of it goes more like the, James Bond. Oh God, no! We're not going to talk Ah, oh, thank you. But he um, turns into an emo teenager, <laughs> and then he becomes he, he kind of matures, and I I love that little story. So he's like Grook. Same. So he goes from like really cute and kind of nervous to like an obstinate adolescent to a full grown adult. I don't Pretty know. Pretty much. So it feels like every generation there is one starter who kind of comes to the fore and ends up dominating. Um, especially lately. Like I, I, when I look back on the last several generations, um, correct me if I'm wrong, like Diamond and Pearl, probably Infernape is the, the, the one. Yeah. In Gen 5, I would say probably, that's a pretty weak selection, but maybe Oshawott is the one for Gen 5. I thought I, Oshawott's pretty popular. Yeah, Oshawott's pretty popular. It feels like the other two kind of fell by the wayside, except everybody remembered the pig when they made, started making curry jokes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, the pig, Tepig has a great series of Pokemon cards that tell a little story about the family. So I like Tepic yes, for that. Really cool. Yeah, that was, I like that very much. Uh, one thing we'll probably get into is the fact that, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt you, Kat, uh, I find that Sword and Shield really excels with that with the trainer cards. But anyway, go on. Gen 6 is definitely Greninja, like Greninja 1. Oh, yeah. And you can usually tell which 
you can usually tell which starter is dominant by the one that Ash is using in the anime, by the way. <laughs> that would be yeah. <laughs> and Greninja showed up in, um, and Greninja also showed up in Smash Brothers. Gen 7, I think it's actually a tie between Decidueye and Incineroar. Yeah. Yeah, because Decidueye is in the Pokemon tournament. Oh, that's yep. right. I forgot about that. And Decidueye also was more viable from a, a competitive standpoint than Incineroar was, but Incineroar ended up... Until until Incineroar got Intimidate. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did it? Oh, so that was that was the big... The oh, big yeah. Change. Incineroar Incineroar dominated last season. It was on every table. Oh, wow. So there you go. Yeah. And then, okay, so Gen 8, who do we think is going to be the big winner of Gen 8? I think it's going to be Scorbunny. Yeah. Uh, same. Slash, uh, what's his name? The last uh, evolution's name. Uh, I've had nicknames on for so long, I forget. I turned them off just so I could learn the Pokemon's name. Like, I didn't nickname my Pokemon because I was, like, so nervous I would forget. Well, I don't know, though. Uh, turns into... Uh, oh, my God. Kind of- Cinderace. Cinderace. That's right. Okay, because his middle, Ooh, his middle one is, is Raboot. 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 <laughs> 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 yeah see i All hadn't right. i hadn't previewed the the um evolution so when i saw a rap boot i'm like oh god did i make a mistake but then i saw Cinderace, i'm like okay <laughs> cool, we're, we're on track again so when they introduce the starters they have this wonderful little animation that kind of gives you a, a quick a, introduction to them where they're all having fun doing various things and then when you pick one i think they all have individualized little things like uh, score bunny does a little fist bump a little fist bump uh, what do the other two do um they kind of like they jump into your arms like sobble like sobble like it, it's uh if i recall correctly sobble like just kind of gently touches your hand and it's really sweet yeah and grookey is like grookey gives you a, like a high five i think I actually wrote an article about this in the preview phase because that cutscene got me so emotional about picking my starter and I felt bad because like I picked Sobble in the preview phase and uh, Hop picks Scorbunny because he picks the weaker Pokemon because he's he's a weenie <laughs> and um, <laughs> and and then Grookey looks around all yeah. sad like no one picked me and I was and like I'm so sorry Sobble, which made it worse because it's Sobble <gasps> I've yeah. Sobble I broke Sobble's heart, and thankfully, Leon's like, here, mm-hmm. you can come with me. I'm like, oh, thank God. I love you, Leon. I, I think as a longtime Pokemon player, Callie, like, you can also speak to this. I mean, the presentation has come so far since even X and Y in terms of how they present these monsters, give them personality. They appear everywhere on the overworld now. It feels so much more alive than it ever did in the previous generations, and I honestly really appreciate that which actually leaves me scratching my head when people are saying that the graphics are bad like by switch standards i think that they're you know about the same as you're going to find for a lot of switch games heavily stylized kind of cartoony look pretty good in hd uh good art style um and they like add a nice lot of nice little flourishes to the monsters to make them seem lively mm-hmm. and cool so i mean i if people were expecting freaking Red Dead Redemption 2, maybe they should moderate their expectations a little bit, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's like, you can't punish a game for what it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something I, I tell my reviewers. It's something I keep in mind when I review games. Like, you have to evaluate what's there. You don't get to punish it for what it isn't. Um, and so, yeah, like, Pokemon was never going to be 
Red Dead Redemption or Death Stranding or, you know, it's not going to have like there's going to be Pokemon popping in and out of the overworld because that's just how you keep it from being the same three Pokemon that you're just staring at until you leave the area, you know? Um, But I really do think it makes it alive. I like that the Pokemon wander the world in every area, not just the wild area. And I like that um, mostly like in the RPG sense, all random encounters are gone. You do get some randomness from the exclamation points that pop up. And I like that because it keeps you uh, exploring. Um, And also if you're camping, the animations are so good with the Pokemon, like watching them walk around. I had a Wooloo roll towards me and I like almost burst into tears. And then there's like this (laughs) amazing depth of field. Like if you zoom in when you're camping, you can like zoom in on Pokemon in the distance and it it creates this depth of field effect. And um, you can see like Pokemon getting in arguments with each other or um, chatting I love that. I think there's so many little details that that give them so much personality. And I think that that starter cutscene is like such a good indicator of what's to come for the way they present the monsters. I, I thought it was there great. There are instances where I've set up camp and the Pokemon that loves me most like gets right up in my face and looks at me. Yeah, and it's kind of intense and scary. <laughs> Can but I just really say cute. that I've wanted this for years? Uh, some kind of camp or ranch or somewhere that I can more fully interact with my Pokemon. I remember in Pokemon X, they introduced X and Y. They introduced the the well, let's pet the Pokemon in awkward places uh, mode. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pokemon and, and me, baby. But it was always kind of felt disconnected from the rest of the game, right? Because you were going into a whole separate screen and there were gameplay reasons to do it, but it always felt slightly artificial. So the notion of setting up camp and everything and having your Pokemon scamper around, like I've been wanting this forever and I'm so excited to have that, uh, to have that personal connection with my monsters. Uh, word of advice to you. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mention to Kelly. I was going to say word of advice to you, Kat. Make sure you do fill out your curry decks and then talk to the guy who like is your curry decks reader because he will give you new toys. Oh, yeah. And they're they are fun. <laughs> also, pro tip, if you're playing with um, without motion controls, if you hold down A, you can throw the ball longer. It took me 50 hours <laughs> before I realized that. I was just tossing the ball right at my feet for the Pokemon. You could actually play fetch with them. Yeah, you hold down the A button. And if you like, if you, you can actually do both. You tilt up the switch and hold down the A button and let it go. And it'll throw it like high and far. And you can fake them out too with the uh, with the motion controls. And if you don't throw it, they'll like look like a dog. You know, like they'll oh, look no. for the ball. It's, <laughs> it's very so mean. So I admittedly am more or less just getting started because I bought it last night because I was not on the review. I was on Fallen Order review. But I love the way that mm. it shows towns in the distance. It has uh, these vistas that I've never really seen in Pokemon before, and it conveys a sense of scale that feels appropriate for a console, I think. Absolutely. And also, it's just, I mean, it's a beautiful range of what you would imagine the UK Mm -hmm. to be, especially as someone who's not from there. You see, like, the cottages and the rolling hills, and then you get into the cities, and it's very industrial. And I was even surprised. I said this in my review. Like, I think it, it adheres to the theme, but not so much as to be totally predictable. Like, there were areas where I was like, oh, this isn't what I would picture the UK as. But it fits. Um, like there's a snow and ice town that uh, is is there, and 
at the same time, it, was, it still felt like a, a little bit like the UK because it's the towns like that revolves around the heroes of the story. So it, it's pretty neat what they've done. Yeah, and it has like the public baths like bath, but like obviously the snow part is what makes it different. I think it's 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 cute. Did you uh, play sword or shield, Callie? I played shield. Okay, so you had the ice gym then. I did. Which makes more sense because there's a rock gym in Sword. Yeah, and um, one thing that I, I really just kind of going over how much I love the way Pokemon tells its stories. We were talking about this on because uh, I was, appeared on the Game Explains Pokemon podcast uh, earlier this week. Uh, Gordy, who runs the rock gym, is the son of I can't remember the Melody who runs the ice gym, and they're son and mother, but they're estranged from each other because. Oh, that explains the league card I got from her. Then haven't you? Yes. <laughs> Yes, I have. Gordy's face, yeah. Uh, because um, apparently Gordy wanted to have a rock gym and Melody wanted him to take over the ice gym. So they had a falling out over that. And I, I that's just the kind of stuff I love about Pokemon, the way it tells stories like that. I love that. I didn't put, I thought maybe they were a couple. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, they put like a thick couple in this game. That's Gordy kind of interesting. Sudden. Son and mother, yeah. Well, Melanie's thick too. She's like the thickest character I've seen in an RPG that's oh, not a villain. <laughs> I haven't seen like or I like I spoiled myself and looked her up, like just the uh, the card art, but I haven't seen like her full body or anything like that. Yeah, she's. I was like pleasantly surprised. I was like, heck yeah. What's the deal with <laughs> get it, Melanie? Right. Uh, like Nadia's mentioned it once or twice, and I'll admit that I'm intrigued because I love collecting cards and games. Uh, well, I'll let Nadia take it away since she seemed excited. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, every time you beat a trainer, uh, sorry, not a trainer, a gym leader, they'll give you their card. And the first set of cards are very sort of standard, and they give you like little facts about the trainers on the back, and that's how you learn more about them. Uh, in the post game, you can collect more of their cards, and those are the kind of the really fun ones to collect because they're they're rare, quote unquote, and they give you a lot more insight as to what the uh, what the trainer is about. Like um, again, I spoiled myself because I didn't have the ghost gym. I looked up Alistair's card, and <gasps> that was so good. Heart. Oh my god, that's I don't want to like spoil it for Cat because do you get sword or shield, Cat? I got sword. Okay, you're not going to know that anyway. Uh, there's just like I'm kind uh, of having uh, regrets about not getting shield now because an ice gym is more intriguing to me than a rock gym. No, Gordy's amazing. You, you know what? No one, you can't say shit about Gordy because he's he's, okay. he's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Alistair is basically the ghost trainer. Uh, he's a little kid who wears the mask, and uh, so his first card is just a very standard him, like him in a very standard sort of pose, and the second card which is supposedly snapped by nobody knows who, is him holding his mask and crying because he's still a little boy and his parents are dead. Uh, it's inferred that his, he is a ghost-type trainer because he was in a terrible accident with his parents uh, and he had a near-death experience and that's supposedly why he could probably like talk to ghosts so well. So it's just, Pokemon doesn't care. Pokemon will kill parents. It, it doesn't give a shit. That's why I love Pokemon. Pokemon... Pokemon is, can get messed up. I really, it, like, the card implies that a ghost Pokemon took the p photo, too. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Mimikyu. It's so, it's so intense. So I just love the cards because you're not going to get a, a full, like, I was talking to Kat about this earlier, Callie. Um, we were talking about how the story in Sword and Shield isn't quite as in-your-face or as detailed as uh, Sun and Moon. And that's because people complained apparently about like having to read a lot of text and i loved sword and i loved sword and moon uh, sword and moon i loved sun and moon's story 
Uh, so I do like the fact that even though we can't have a story that's quite as detailed in Sword and Shield, it still has ways of, of kind of getting that character development across. Yeah, I think it's really smart. And then the the cool thing about the cards is you can customize your own. And like as you progress, you get like better holographic elements and then you can trade it with people like online i was trading league cards and i got like a japanese one and i just love seeing like japanese players do intense things with their character customization i love it and uh it also helps me practice my japanese trying to read like oh that means like i can the the word curry is just kare so that's easy but like a (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah, like a number of Pokemon caught or whatever. Um, so you can trade them online or with people you interact with, which is just it's just fun to see the list of like all the people you've interacted with and their their character. I got to say the online component really has me intrigued about this game. Uh, I love the concept of the outer world, the outer world, outer wild, <laughs> wild lands. What, where are we? God. Um, the, the wild area. Uh, where you can go running around and everybody's been fixated on the actual graphics of the area, but I love the online hooks. I love the concept of being able to go into a discrete online area to meet people almost like destiny and then battle with them and interact with them and that kind of thing. That, that, that feels like something I've been wanting in Pokemon forever. Yeah. And it's cool. I was testing it last night. Um, Cause I only did local for the review. Um, and like there were a bunch of you see people running around you'll see like the smoke coming out of their camps mm-hmm. and you can go visit their camps um and you can like cook with people if you want um it's really easy to go into the social menu by hitting y and then seeing um you see all the stamps of people like calling out for things but you can sort them yeah. by the type of thing you're looking for so if you just want to join people's max raids you can sort by only max raid stamps and then see people who are seeking you know uh because you need a, it's a four person thing. So you, the people who are seeking um, partners for that, um, or you can, you can send out, Hey, I'm looking to trade league cards and someone will take you up on it. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It makes you feel like more connected to the other people who are playing. The one thing I'm curious about is if the weather is the same for everybody, because I know the people who are mm, playing yeah. at GameSpot yesterday, we all had storms in our wild area, which I thought was really interesting. So I'm not sure exactly how that works yet. That's a good point. I, I, I never even considered that. But uh, yes, I do agree. Um, I really love the stamps, how easy it makes it to, to look for things. I will say that I went online as soon as the servers did, just to kind of poke around and see what was there. And it was actually really neat to see. At first, I was interacting only with Japanese people. Then gradually, people from Europe were trickling, trickling in. So that was a really neat thing to see in, in, in live. Uh, but I wasn't able to do much in the way of battles and i'm pretty sure it's because i was like averaging level 70 so i couldn't as i put it in my impressions i guess like going up against like some level five yamper would be like uh, curb stomping a kindergartner so GameStop wasn't gonna let me, uh, game freak wasn't gonna let me do that so yeah i i did finally get a few uh max battles in at least because people are finally starting to of course they're playing through the game real fast and so they can finally do some big raids that i can join in on but for a while, I wasn't really able to do that. Like, uh, I think Game Freak was, they would like disconnect me and say, yeah, there's something wrong with your Pokemon. As in like, it's level 60 and you can't give it to a guy who's like just started. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's rude. <laughs> I likened it to an episode of the anime where Ash goes into Johto for the first time and he has a Charizard and all of these kind of powerful Pokemon. And he meets a trainer who's just getting started with a Chikorita and a Pidgey. 
and the piggy <laughs> literally bounces off Chara's heart. <laughs> it's like uh, that's what it was like. Yeah, that's what it's like playing games pre-release. <laughs> it's like really like I I was hoping to to battle um but i ended up helping with some one star raids and my pokemon just one shot at the raid pokemon and i was like well here's your free pokemon kids <laughs> <laughs> enjoy you're welcome the raids are really cool i like the co-op aspect of it i mean it on the surface it is feels like just a takeoff of what they've been doing in pokemon go but on the other hand i am not averse to pve stuff rather than pvp yeah yeah, I actually really like. I, I'm a definitely a, a PVE sort of person because I'm terrible and I get embarrassed when I get destroyed by PVP. <laughs> I've rapidly uh, become a PVE person because I just don't have the time and energy to devote to competitive play anymore, uh, especially with Pokemon. Though I am also, again, very intrigued by the notion of being able to what rent teams uh, and be able to play competitively online. If, if that's the case, then I might be back in because. Uh, not having to raise my own monsters like is kind of a game changer or even better like maybe I can get used to certain teams or get used to certain monsters and go ah well maybe I want to actually do actually want to invest in raising monsters and it sounds like there are even more quality of life improvements this time around right Kelly? Oh yeah I'm glad you asked because (laughs) (laughs) this is <laughs> she's like cracking yeah, her neck, just like, ready, all right, let's, let's get into this. So um <laughs> I have been in the battle tower using rented teams um from an NPC. And I love that. Like you get right into the battle tower. You don't have to mess around with like worrying about getting a team ready. And I there's a rain team that you can rent, uh, which I haven't used, I haven't like seen a rain team other than the Kyogre people from the past couple of years in so long. So that was exciting. And then uh, a trick room team that you can use, which has newer Pokemon to kind of show you which Pokemon might be good. Um, I loved that because you don't get the judge function for the Pokemon box, which was introduced in Sun and Moon. Um, You don't get that until you've had six victories in the battle tower. So it's a good way to kind of ease you in. Then you get the judge function. You can kind of see which of your Pokemon have good IVs. And then go from there. Uh, and then on top of that, there's the quality of life thing of you can change Pokemon's natures now with a, an mm-hmm. item. Uh, that's a big you, one. You can, it's, it was like the last thing because there's the uh, ability capsule, which allows you to change ability. It doesn't have hidden ability, unfortunately, but there's that. Um, and then bottle caps for changing stats. It doesn't change them under the hood, so you can't like breed with that Pokemon, but still good. And then this was like the last big thing that they needed um so you can kind of customize a pokemon to get it ready you know so you're not soft resetting a legendary for hours and hours just to get it ready um if you even wanted to use a legendary so i really like that and then something that i didn't ever think they would do is if you leave two pokemon at the nursery of the same species with um and one has egg moves if you have empty slots on the other pokemon it'll the egg moves will pass onto it. So you don't need to rebreed a Pokemon if you forgot to put mm. egg moves on it. And I actually had this problem with my competitive. I had a singles Espeon in Sun and Moon that I forgot to put oh, no. Baton Pass on. And so it became useless in singles. Oh, no. So I was really bummed. And I just, you know, you it, it was so time consuming to breed that Pokemon and get it trained and all this stuff. And so I just never rebred it. So now I can train it or trade it up through Pokemon Home when Pokemon Home releases and easily get Baton Pass on that Pokemon without having to totally rebreed. So I'm super excited about that. Um, 
And then finally, uh, experience candies help you level up Pokemon to level 100 so you can actually hyper train them with the bottle caps. So it's just so much easier to get a Pokemon to a place without having to spend hours and hours. Like I have 180 hours in Pokemon Moon and like 150 of those are breeding. So like I'm very <laughs> excited. There were days where I, there were some games where I literally maxed out the counter, the clock on my games because I just spent so much time breeding monsters and everything. But there got to be a certain point where I just like, I don't have time for this anymore. It's too time consuming. And not only that, yeah. but the meta changes too much. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be flexible, and this game makes it so much easier to be flexible with your Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, being able to change the abilities and the personalities of the legendaries is a huge... That's like practically a game changer, because I got so sick of soft resetting, trying to catch a legendary and get a certain personality on them. And it was just like, why am I even doing this? Because I wasn't going to waste... I didn't like wasting Master Balls on them, necessarily. But even if I was using a master ball, it was still time consuming as all heck. Yeah. And uh, especially if there's like a story lead up to the legendary battle, because mm-hmm. then you're like, OK, I got to rewatch the cutscene and then go through this whole oh, thing right, just to get very story the nature this time around. Yeah. And like some the sun and moon and ultra sun and ultra moon series of competitive was very legendary heavy because you could have two legendaries plus the tapus. Um, so people would like the teams were like Kyogre, Rayquaza, Tapu Koko, and then like Incineroar and two other random Pokemon. Like See, every that's team was why like I that. got sick of uh, the later generations of Pokemon. And uh, not to get too cynical, I just it became so legendary heavy that it was just basically yes. all people were using anymore. And it just it it used to be that legendaries were special, and now it's just like oh yeah, it's all legendaries. <laughs> Sorry, I think there's only just the two legendaries this time around. I, I mean, I know this is on the agenda, so I won't jump to it too quickly, but like, I like that we're a little, little bit limited in the selection because I think it forces you to be a bit more creative mm-hmm. with your team. Um, and, and also, like, I wrote this in my review, too. It makes the wild area more digestible. It is a very large area. I still haven't caught every Pokemon. I'm in there every single day because the weather changes every single day. I explore the whole area to see what's different. Um, It's a lot. And I think limiting the size of the Pokedex is really a boon to the series because, you know, you just can't infinitely expand. So I think there are a lot of smart but difficult decisions happening there. Um, but yeah, like on the legendary thing, like I, I'm so freaking tired of Rayquaza. Like yeah. I'm so tired of him. Like, obviously I love Rayquaza. Everybody loves Rayquaza. I learned that everybody else says Rayquaza, which really messed me up. Yeah. In the, comp- like, apparently it's officially Rayquaza according to one anime episode or something. And I was really, really screwed up by that because back in my day, we just said it, how it, how we read it. And it was Rayquaza. Oh my God. Yeah. You're breaking right? my brain here. Right, so I refuse that. I refuse to say that. But regardless of how you say it, he's not in the game, so you also, don't have to God. worry about him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't worry about it anymore. Quaza, <laughs> whatever. I think that when it comes to the national deck stuff, and I guess we might as well talk about it right now. Um, maybe we got to the point where it was a little bit like Hearthstone, where they uh, a game like is Magic or, or or Hearthstone will retire Pokemon or will retire cards and put them into uh, mm-hmm. free play, as it were, and then the official meta will have will be much more focused and only have a certain selection of cards available. That said, Pokemon is not just competitive battling. Pokemon is also collecting and breeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was 
telling Nadia off the air, there is a certain currency to Pokemon being having that continuity. And I'm certainly not uh, going to say that this toxicity is warranted. Far from it. I think it's the opposite. But I do think that people are willing to put up with a lot with Pokemon um, in terms of presentation and weird design decisions and features getting cut from generation to generation because there was that certain sense of continuity, because there was that currency of being able to catch them all and then keep bringing your living Pokedex over or having like super rare shinies that you got from X events that you were able to verify. And the second that Pokemon cut that aspect out, I think there was a torrent of frustration that came out in ways that in some places were extremely misplaced in like the extremely weird breakdowns and obsessions over like shadows and everything trying to prove that the game freak, uh, quote unquote lied. But, uh, in other ways were like people maybe venting over frustration from like 15 years of weird design decisions with Pokemon. <laughs> Yeah, but my counter to that, to to one specific point being like the continuity being broken is like this isn't the last Pokemon game that's ever going to be made. So, for, you know, as someone who's been playing for over 20 years, I can wait another year or two for the game that has the monsters that aren't in this one. You know, like I, mm-hmm. the delayed gratification aspect is fine by me. I'm excited to see what they do with Pokemon Home because I know you can transfer any Pokemon to that. Um, so in that sense, you can retain your living Pokedex and then keep it for whatever game does have those Pokemon. So, I mean, I totally get the frustration about certain design elements of Pokemon because I miss I miss contests and I miss secret bases. I and, miss contests so much and, and Pokemon World Tournament and the Battle Frontier. Yeah, like there's like the GTS. Like I, I totally get it. Um, but like I said earlier, like I'm not going to punish a game for what it's not. I'm going to take it at what it is. And so I think that the things that are there make for a compelling experience outside of what isn't there. So like, um, but like or not, it's a console game. Now it's going to be held up to those standards and people, uh, expect a huge game in terms of the number of Pokemon that can bring to bear. And, when it cuts that aspect down, people are not going to be extremely happy. Yeah, and I get that. But I would say that overall, I think the game benefits from, uh, because I think, you know, that many, the number of Pokemon we're at can become a, a serious balance issue, um, regardless of competitive or if you're just playing the game normally. I think uh, there's just a lot of moving parts there. So I liked that the game feels a little more pared down in some senses while letting other features shine. So I think... Would it have been better if they had announced that early on they weren't going to have everything but that they would be releasing new Pokemon in waves and that they would couch it in the game's lore as if they were discovering these Pokemon um, in the Galar region? That would have been dope. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right? It's like, oh, we have sightings of, um, I don't know, I, I think Squirtle's in, but let's pretend Squirtle's not. Oh, we've had Squirtle sightings here. Yeah, go catch them now. I, I heard that he's not in, but then like uh, there are people who have been data mining and saying, oh, actually he is in, and, and Bulbasaur's in there too. And I saw someone who actually did, uh, through like cheat devices, patch Bulbasaur into the game, and then he kind of ran out of the uh, the grass and looked adorable. So Aww. um 
there, there's, I think part of it's just there's been so much misinformation about the game. I do absolutely agree with Kat that uh, I understand people's frustrations. Uh, and Game Freak giveth and Game Freak taketh away, and I'll never understand exactly why. Like, one thing I was saying is that um, the wild area with all the people on there, it would have been so dope to see everyone riding Pokemon like they did oh, in yeah. Let's Go. I, I would die for that. But instead, you get the bike, which is uh, it's fine. It's a bike. I Not hate that it changes fun. your outfit. I put so much effort yeah. in my outfit, and then it puts me in a dorky, like, <laughs> freaking Lance Armstrong looking outfit. Gotta wear uh-huh. a helmet. Yeah, no, I agree with that because I spent so much money on my outfit. I have like red leather jacket, red leather pants, and I have I bought that Arcanine shirt you can buy early in the game. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I have no money left for potions. Oh well. <laughs> I, have <laughs> I know. Shirt. I have an 88 grand silk bomber jacket or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And the Pokemon's like, help, I think it. Nope, too bad. They've always made weird decisions and they've always felt slightly behind the times in terms of how they implement online features. I am extremely curious to see if they end up pursuing a DLC model with Pokemon this time around because I really want to see. Yeah. They've had I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Yeah, I've seen mystery gifts, like mystery gifts are a thing, have been a thing for a long mm-hmm. time. That's kind of DLC, but I mean Remember when Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire came out and it seemingly was teasing a Battle Frontier update and that simply did not happen and then it became a giant troll and I still haven't really forgiven them for that. But (laughs) (laughs) But much like how Monster Hunter World uh, eschewed the second version uh, with the Iceborne update, I could totally see something similar happening with a sun or what's a sword and shield in which you get an expansion and perhaps they send out a new wave of Pokemon. Yeah, I could see that happening because there's some there's like there's no move tutor for something like foul play, which I always like to put foul play on my Umbreon, so sad. Um, but they did that. Like Sun and Moon didn't have that, but Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon had move tutors. I I would like them to kind of forego the like third or the uh the like updated in favor of mm-hmm. just updating this one for a little while. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like I, I think generally like the other thing that's missing that I kind of missed at first was um, mega evolution. I'm not, I was never super like into Z moves. I really liked megas though. And I loved my mega Kangaskhan, but I do think Dynamax like takes the spirit of both mega evolution and Z moves and kind of combines them into one thing which I respect as like a simplification yeah, of yeah. A, an ever expanding, you know, Pokemon was just kept expanding and you, you gotta, literally. you gotta <laughs> pair it to, yeah, literally you gotta, you gotta kind of scale it back at some points. And I was surprised yeah. at how many Pokemon change their forms when they're mega evolved. Like yeah. we've seen some of them like uh long cat Meowth, which is great. And like, you know, fluffy Eevee, but uh, uh, not without spoiling too much here, but the dragon trainer, his final, Pokemon and the the Mega Evolved version of that. I looked at that and said, "What the hell? Oh yeah, how did someone come up with this? He has an antenna, <laughs> so planes don't hit him. I don't know what's going on here. It was amazing. Yeah, the the Gigantamaxing is really cool. I I still haven't like found one. I know they've kind of been rolling out events where you have a higher chance of. And I was seeing people online finding Gigantamax Butterfree, and I was like, I don't see Gigantamax Butterfree anywhere. I wish someone would invite me to their freaking Gigantamax Butterfree raid, but um. Like, yeah, I, I think that they're at least rolling. I'm, it's promising to me because they're rolling out these Gigantamax events. Yeah, I noticed that. 
I yeah. noticed that they're rolling out events, which is to me says to me like, okay, hopefully they're going to really support this game through online, give us more content that way because I don't think anyone's really into the idea of buying another whole new version of the game in this day and age. Yeah, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. I don't think you can sell people on Ultra Sword and Ultra yeah, Shield. Yeah, I barely touch Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon outside of reviewing them because I had, like I said, I had eight, 180 hours in Pokemon Moon and all these Pokemon, and I was like, I want to try to get a shiny charm. I want to complete my Pokedex. That's another thing is I like that the Pokedex is a little more attainable, completing it. It's not I easy. Agree. Certainly not easy to do. There's Pokemon that like I don't have never seen. I have no idea what Pokemon is there because I haven't looked at the full Pokedex leaks. Um, the only thing I looked at before the from those leaks was the the starters for my own selfish reasons. But um, I I like that it's a little a little more attainable because I'm old and I I don't have time for all of it and I want that shiny charm. I did find a shiny Sableye. That was exciting. Congratulations. I haven't found one shiny yet. So they're not shiny in the overworld. That's the that's the issue. Oh, because so, they were shiny in Let's Go. Yeah, so I expected them to be shiny, right? But they're not. This sable I charged at me like Naruto ran at me. <laughs> and at first I was like, God damn it. And then it was shiny. And it was the first sable I had encountered. And I was just like, wow. I, I yelled. I yelled. It's the second shiny in the wild I've ever found in my life. And my first was Wismer. So I am pretty stoked on that. That's pretty amazing. Congratulations on that. Of Pokemon, you. Would you believe for all the hours I've spent hatching eggs, I've only ever hatched one shiny? I've never hatched any shiny. Really? I hatched a shiny oh, Chimchar. Mm. Unfortunately, it had terrible, it had the right personality, but terrible IVs. See, in this uh, day and age, you could have fixed it. Oh, I mean, I still got it. Maybe I can, maybe if they ever let me bring Chimchar into Sword and Shield, maybe I'll ever actually be able to do that. Hmm? Yikes. Sorry. I'm praying for you, Kat. So this is what I will say that's the positive side about the National Pokedex. I am playing Sword and Shield differently than I have in the past. In the past, especially like yeah. Sun and Moon, I have been inclined to just rush through the story because I am trying to get to the end so that I can get all my monsters over and blah, 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 blah. And in this time around, I'm kind of just taking my time and enjoying myself. I'm catching everything that I can. I'm putting myself in. I'm, I'm pretending that I'm Ash from Ruby and Sapphire, the, the the anime where he where he leaves everybody at home and brings Pikachu with them. Yes, I'm mm. a freaking dork with a child's game. I don't care. I'm, I'm playing Pokemon <laughs> my way. I'm actually really glad that Game Freak uh, kept so much of the game under wraps uh, for, you know, for as long as they could before everyone blew it. But, because uh, I was actually really excited to go to the Gala region and see these Pokemon I'd never seen before. And I mean, like, looking forward to the evolutions and, and stuff like that. Like, it really did feel like playing uh, a Pokemon from my childhood again. I felt the exact same way. I was absolutely delighted to see the new evolutions, the new Galar forms, like every every yeah. new Pokemon I encountered, like there's one Pokemon that I saw and I literally said, yo, out loud in the middle of my office, like really, really loud. I think I know which one you're talking about. Um, <laughs> I just couldn't believe is it. it. Is it a certain, a certain uh, Galar version of a certain it Pokemon? It sure is. And I think you know exactly which okay, one. Okay, because... Cat doesn't know. Cat's like, why do you keep talking about that Pokemon? What is your problem? Because me and all the people who have played Pokemon are like, what? The, what the hell is wrong with this Pokemon? What is going on here? And Cat's like, what's the deal? 
Like, have you seen this Pokemon cat? No. Well, you will know. When <laughs> yeah, you, see it. you will know. <laughs> All right, I'll take your word for I it. I actually said like, <laughs> I actually um, was playing and I was playing handheld mode. And I said, what the fuck? Like out loud. And my husband was walking by. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And my husband's like, um, it's, it's fruit. I don't know what he was carrying, but like he was like, thought I was talking to him. <laughs> so I, I guess on that front, I mean, how does the Galar Pokedex compare in your mind to previous games? Because when I think back over the years, some Pokedexes have been, uh, I want to say, much stronger than others. Uh, I think when i think back on sun and moon there were some that were actually really great i think mimikyu still stands out as an all-timer and in fact i think we named mimikyu as the number one best pokemon ever uh but mimikyu is my new favorite yeah mimikyu is incredible and i i I felt so bad for mimikyu in the pokemon go halloween event when pikachu was totally trolling mimikyu by wearing its outfit it's like what now you, I don't even have this that anymore, Pikachu. I don't even have this you know. anymore. Oh, I, I did get that plush. I did. So sorry, Mimikyu. But <laughs> no, no. What do you guys think of the new Pokemon? Are they good? They bad? They're in the in between. I love them. I think there's some really really great designs. Uh, I think it's a good mix of like. Pokemon that are just fun and cute. Like you have Yamper. Yamper is just like fun and cute. Oh, Yamper's great. And then you have Pokemon that are really designed with a more hardcore player in mind. And I, I know a lot of competitive people really feel like they were left behind by this game, but I don't think that's the case at all. I already talked a lot about the quality of life stuff, but I do think um, they uh, during the World Championships, they debuted a trailer that had a bunch of new abilities and items that were geared towards competitive. And I think that was just like a little glimpse. One of those was Galarian Wheezing. It has the neutralizing gas ability, which neutralizes every other ability on the field, which just like destroys Intimidate as a, as a strategy. Um, so there's stuff like that that I think is really exciting. There are some really cute and clever designs uh, I like. I really like it when Pokemon are not exactly the type you would expect they are, based on the animal they're yeah. inspired by. And there's stuff like that. Um, the, I mean, I think the starter evolutions are really the worst of it. There's, there's some. I mean, there's, there's always going to be funky stuff, but I, I think overall, it's, it's really good. It's really balanced for like the collector who doesn't care about the number of Pokemon, and then the, you know, the more hardcore battler, and then someone who just wants to see cute Pokemon in their camp. Um, there's some weird inclusions though. Like I was surprised that like Octillery is in this game. I was like, does anyone yeah, care about Octillery? These choices. It's like, oh, cool. <laughs> here's, here's Butterfree and our Octillery and Noctowl for some reason. Why? Yeah. Like I was like, why? I mean, because of like Hedwig, you know, like Harry Potter. <laughs> oh, they got to have the owl. Oh my God. Maybe. I, yeah. I, I agree that like, um, this is probably like my favorite Pokedex. I said maybe Sun and Moon because Those I think freaking Sun and Moon really They're so cute. Profit. They're oh so God. cute. Oh yeah, Wooloos. But uh, they did a really good job in Sun and Moon of like making the Pokemon feel like they would belong in Hawaii. Like the whole thing with Young Goose and the the Rattata mm-hmm. evolution that was really really clever. Uh, so you do have a lot of that going on in Pokemon Sword and Shield as well, especially with the Galarian forms. Uh, so. Yeah, I actually think at the end, when I t- finally took down the, the Elite Four, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I was using mostly new Pokemon um, that I... Because I'm not like a, a super hardcore competitive player. I just like, hey, that's a cool Pokemon. I'm going to grab that. And so I grab it. And I think the only old one that I really was using was um, was Mudsdale because uh, 
that Mudsdale had stamina, which is like, so Ooh. it was like that gif of the, little, the big cat pushing over the little kitten to <laughs> beat it up. That was my, that was my Mudsdale. Yeah, I, I tried to use new Pokemon for the review, but I ended up really falling in love with a lot of them. I did not think I would like Obstagoon, but Obstagoon's actually pretty cool. <laughs> I am a big fan of Lanoon, or however that's pronounced. Um, I'm so glad that he's getting new life in Galar region because I love like ferrets and I named mine like uh, Ferrago the Assassin after the Red Wall mm-hmm. book because he had life mm-hmm. in the original. So I just like the fact that he's he's back as like a running around like a, a crazy thing in, in the wild. I region. also want to shout out um, my coworker Tamor Hussein, who's our editor of news. I was asking him for British puns because he's from the UK uh, to put as my like headers in the review and he was like you know what's a british institution spice girls and i was like where are you going with this tam and he's like well i really 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 want a zigzagoon ah (laughs) 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 so i did use that in an article (laughs) that's pretty great i i applaud that can you explain the hold that ruby and sapphire hold on people ruby and sapphire i.e one of the worst pokemon generations ever (laughs) <laughs> the one that cut a whole bunch you and, the first time around. You and I share a similar opinion on Ruby and Sapphire, believe, in that the last like third of the game is totally bogged down, um, imbalanced. Uh, I, you know, Ruby and Sapphire are a complicated generation for me because I got so many horrible threats. I still get a lot of harassment about that review. Um, but in general, yeah, I think... I don't, first of all, the music is so grating. Like, yeah. <laughs> no GBA. It has, it has good gym leader music. Yes. But also, I think, like, that has the most HMs of any generation. There are oh, eight. God, so yeah. you need you need two Pokemon fully devoted to traversal, which I think sucks. And then the dive waterfall surf experience of the last third of that game is compounded if you're playing Sapphire because you're battling Team Aqua. So you're just basically using grass and electric Pokemon for like a third of that game. And I stand by that. I stand by that even though people think that I should die. So Yeah, if people are mad about the National Pokedex, I mean, they locked away 186 Pokemon and they were literally available on the cart. You just couldn't access them because they wanted to sell them through Pokemon Coliseum and uh, Mm -hmm. the other games, which I just... Was uh they cut they cut major features from gold and silver. Hoenn region isn't that great ultimately. I don't know. No, like I was like, and maybe I'm just a little bit salty that Blaziken get got all the spotlight over Infernape. Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> I you know another thing. I think the reason Ruby and Sapphire are so popular is because the uh, the people who can comment on the internet, who are old enough to comment on the internet, but young enough mm. to not understand how to do it properly. That was their first Pokemon game. Oh, for sure. But I mean, they're getting kind of older at this point. I-, I will say that I think the thing with Ruby and Sapphire is that some of the Pokemon in there have been mainstays in the competitive game forever, like Salamence and Metagross and yeah. Blaziken. Uh, Mudkip was memed really heavily at one point. Yeah, Ludicolo was really popular. Yeah, so like in Rain Team. So there are some Pokemon in there that are still very popular, but I would say that also it's a we- very weak Pokedex in other regards, in the way that it recycles a ton of different stuff. I don't know. Somebody, <laughs> I only mentioned this because I was ranking the generations on Twitter 
uh, I saw night. these. And somebody was like, how dare you besmirch the name of Ruby and Sapphire? And somebody responded, oh, you mean that game where you're fighting hordes of zigzagoons all the time and like knee deep in the mud? <laughs> and I was like, that sums it up. You know? like yeah. Knee deep in the mud. <laughs> all right we gotta wrap up so let's have our final thoughts oh. on pokemon sword and shield is this a successful transition to the nintendo switch i am going to say yes so far i am loving this game i'm not that very far in but the graphical style like immediately grabbed me it feels really lively it expands on a lot that i liked about sun and moon i'm incredibly pumped about a lot of the competitive aspects i'm intrigued by the online hooks and I think this is the start that Pokemon needed on the Nintendo Switch, uh, irregardless of how I feel about them not uh, giving any love to Infernape. Callie, what do you think? <laughs> um, I I also think it's an incredibly strong start for Pokemon on the Switch. I said as much in my review, and I also said that I think this is the best generation in a long time. I do really like Sun and Moon, but uh, I think what's what's here is is really strong i love the way you're drawn into the world i really like this pokedex and um i just i don't know it grabbed me immediately i love that it just sets you loose to explore and really incentivizes and rewards exploration um and battling and catching pokemon so it really targets the the three like pillars of what makes pokemon pokemon um and i i really love it i want to play through sword now nadia uh, yes, I think this is actually an excellent start for Pokemon on the Switch. Uh, I am a solo bit disappointed we didn't have stuff like, you know, like that whole 18 gyms rumor that had me really excited for a moment. And I still do have complaints about, like, for example, not being able to ride your Pokemon through the wild area. I think that would add so much just fun to the game. Uh, but otherwise, there's aspects I really, really like about this particular game. I like the emphasis on on gym battles. Uh, I feel like that really does make you feel like a uh, a trip to the U.K., um, and anyone who says, oh, Game Freak didn't care, look how look how sloppy this is, blah, blah, blah. If you just look at some of the animations that the gym leaders have that, you, that go into those those battles that you have, some of them are really, really incredible. Like, uh, Callie will know what I'm saying here, the way that the dragon uh, d- dragon uh, trainer yes. takes a selfie before he does the tosses the ball. Like, just that animation is incredible. I love that. They made him and- weirdly sexy. <laughs> He, he is kind of the hottest <laughs> trainer, just to put it out there. Um, I think really sexy is uh, the watch for all of Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> but all the gym leaders kind of have those little flourishes that really make this like probably the most distinct batch that I can remember in a very long time. All right, mm-hmm. Pokemon Sword and Shield. It is out now on Nintendo Switch. You can go read our review over on US Gamer, and you can go read Callie's review over on GameSpot. Callie, do you have anything else you want to plug right now? Um, I'm just working on Pokemon guides right now. Uh, we have a lot of content from the last month of games. I actually did like all three big review. Well, not all three. Well, you did the Death Stranding review. I did Modern Warfare, then Death Stranding, then Pokemon with no breaks. <laughs> oh dear, that is uh, quite intense. And yeah. you liked Death Stranding a lot. I loved it. That game just hits different. So <laughs> sure does. Um. Yeah. It's for I think it's one of those that like it either speaks to you or it does not. But yeah, um, mm. and then uh, yeah, I I figured out how to evolve uh, Milsery into Alchemy, and that was the single greatest moment of my Pokemon career was figuring that out because it is <laughs> some bullshit. So please read my guide on how to do that. <laughs> All right, Callie, and where can people find you on social media? Oh yes. 
I am Inky Dojiko on Twitter. That's I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. That has become a little dance that I have done on podcasts before. So that's where you find me. It's a terrible name, but I'm verified and I can't change it. (laughs) All right. Thanks very much for coming on the show. And we're going to move on really quickly to the outro. So don't go away. All right. That was a really great conversation. I think that I came away feeling so much more positive about Pokemon Sword and Shield than I have in quite a long time. And honestly, this is the most positive that I've felt about Pokemon in ages, maybe since black and white. So it's exciting times, Nadia. It's exciting times. Yeah, I really enjoyed that conversation. Um, I've just Pokemon, I think a lot of people are realizing now, like after all the controversy and the naysaying and everything, they've been playing it and saying, oh, actually, I'm having a lot of fun. So, oh, fancy that. <laughs> fancy that. What do you know? It's a pretty good game. So, yeah, um, I would say give it a try. Like, uh, it's definitely one of uh, my favorites uh, beyond maybe Sword and Moon. Uh, sorry, Sword and Moon, Jesus. Sun and Moon. Well, that's pretty much it for the review season at this point. I mean, there will be a couple more games coming out, but they aren't RPGs, I don't believe. And so it's going to be mostly focusing on looking ahead into the next year where we got some big games, including Cyberpunk and Pokemon, uh, not Pokemon, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Those are big ones. So, so, but in the meantime, I mean, we got, we got a couple of projects that are kind of ongoing. I mean, we still need to do the console RPG quest, Nadia, like mm-hmm. that. Uh, the PlayStation is a big one, and I think that's yes. the one that is coming up next. So I think we can look forward to that soon. And I think next week we're going to do a mailbag. And uh, it's about that time of month. So if you, I've been saving up a bunch of emails and tweets and everything. Like, don't worry if I haven't responded. Like, I am, your comments are not going unnoticed. So, yeah, if you want to contribute to the mailbag, send me a DM or send me an email at cat.bailey at usgamer.net. And, I mean, you can ask me a question or you can just pitch topic and we will happily talk about that and share your thoughts on the console rpg quest and everything we haven't been doing the mailbag in a little bit because these episodes have been persistently running long and i don't want to go over 90 minutes because i think (laughs) anything over 90 minutes starts to get to be a bit much so yeah so anyway yeah so i think mailbag next week and then i mean we're going to be heading into december pretty soon and that means it's going to be time to do things like our big 2019 wrap-up where we get the entire team on to talk about all of the games that came out this year and our big 2019 RPG wrap-up in which we choose the best RPG of the year. We're on the downhill, Nadia. It's 2019's almost finished. It's yeah, been a weird year. It. I'm looking forward to it being done. <laughs> so am I. But I always say that and I'm like, okay, next year is going to be a lot less weird. Oh, no, this is weird. Yeah, remember when everybody was like, it can't get worse in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> we were such naive little children. All right, folks, we'll be back next week. And for Callie, Nadia, and myself, thanks for listening. And until next time, happy adventuring. <laughs>